Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peek, and welcome to episode 393 of Her, the podcast where you're going to hear the naked truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today her aging. Yeah, you're aging just while you're sitting there, so there you go, but how to optimize it is the key. We've got a terrific show with a dear friend and global expert coming up, but before we begin, just know that this episode is made possible by Solaray vitamins, that's S-O-L-A-R-A-Y vitamins. And specifically, we're talking about aging today. You better be taking your liposomal multivitamins. Everyone says they're getting what they need from their food. And you know what the statistics show. <laughs> it's, it's not happening. Oh, we try so hard, especially as women. So please at least get that liposomal multivitamin. Liposomal means that you're getting that extra a fatty layer around the capsule, which will help you have enhanced absorption, which is exactly what we want. Okay, run on over to solarayvitamins.com to be able to learn more. Now, uh, here's your reminder to click on iTunes after this episode to rate and review the show. I love hearing your feedback, and so please make certain to do that. I'll give you another reminder a little later on. All right, it's time for Her. Her, the podcast. The naked truth about women. Her mind. Her body. Her life. It's all about her. Everyone out there, you know what I'm talking about when it comes to the aging thing. People wince and run into another room. It's like, oh gosh. Well, you know, as a physician and a clinical scientist, gotta say, we're aging from the moment you know, of, of conception. I mean, we're just aging. We're, we're moving that along. The question is, how do we as women prep for aging? How do we optimize this entire glorious you know, life journey? Well, I can't think of a better person to help us through this than Maddie Dykewald. Maddie is, has recently been recognized by Forbes as one of the top 50 female futurists globally and has been deeply involved for more than 30 years in exploring all aspects of aging and how it's transforming everything from the marketplace, the workplace, our world, and our lives. You've probably read her work. She's an author, public speaker, Wall Street Journal blogger, and thought leader on longevity and aging. Maddie, welcome back to the Her Podcast. Oh, thank you, Pam. It's a pleasure to be here. And you are a great example of aging well. <laughs> well, wait, wait a minute. Right back at you, girlfriend. Um, <laughs> you know, it's really all about being able to uh, do the work. Got to do the work. And I know, don't be running, you know, away when I say work, everyone out there. I mean, come on. You know, what isn't something that is worth it that doesn't involve work? Come on. Um, and so, but our jobs are to really add meaning and purpose to that, as it were, work, so that it's less of an onerous burden and more of a, how can I optimize my ability to live a life that's just filled with vitality? How can I live a robust life and have an extended lifespan. So 
Well, it's lifespan and health span. Lifespan is just the number of years, but health span are the number of years where you can be robust. You can run up those steps at the Parthenon and, and really live your dreams um, with a mind and body that function well. So let, let's take 10 steps back here for a second. What got you involved with aging in the first place? I'm just curious, why aging? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. You know what? It's crazy, but Ken and I, when we were in our 30s, were interested in the, not in aging per se, but in the trends around demographics. Now, I know that makes me sound like a total geek, which I am, I guess, <laughs> but I was interested in the numbers. And why was I interested? Because demographics give you a window into your future. They're totally predictable. And what we saw happening was that first, people were having fewer babies, so fertility rates were going down. And second, people were beginning because of healthier lifestyles and uh, antibiotics and different health-related improvements in the healthcare system. They were living a little bit longer, actually a lot longer. And so what we saw was more older people, fewer younger people. That means the whole emphasis, the whole gravity of our country was moving towards that second part of life. And we figured, okay, if that's happening, who's going to explore it? And we decided that we were going to. So that's kind of how we got involved. I love it. And everyone out there, Ken Dykewald is one of the uh, top gerontologists who really has gone deeply into um, the whole issue of what he calls the age wave. Um, and uh, Maddie is uh, his better half. Don't tell Ken I just said that. Um, and so <laughs> together, they're just a, a powerful duo uh, within the aging space per se. And, you know, Tell us now, what, what is this concept you talk about of a longevity bonus? What, why does it matter? Yeah, it's a really good question. I talk about it in two different ways. For one thing, if you go back to the beginning of the 20th century, average life expectancy was only 47. So people didn't live long lives. They didn't expect to live long lives, and they planned for their lives accordingly. Uh, by the end of that century, life expectancy had skyrocketed by more than 30 years, all the way to, on average, 79. Now, that's pretty remarkable, just to see that kind of a shift. I mean, a 30-year, what we call, longevity bonus. But women are the real pioneers of this longevity bonus, because we women we live longer than men, on average, six years longer. So that's really great news. Uh, great for reinventing yourself and exploring new dreams and new hopes and, you know, just living this vibrant, wonderful life as long as you can match your health span to your lifespan. So, you know, uh, this longevity bonus actually came from mostly uh, everything from hygiene um, to uh, medical 
uh, discoveries. Um, and and refrigeration. so refrigeration, refrigeration, exactly. And everything about safety um, and hygiene uh, that had to do with That's infection right. and also um, the safety having to do with accidents and issues, you know, related to that. So that's really important. So women do live longer than men. Uh, there's no question about that. And there's a whole host of reasons why, why that takes place. Um, but, you know, women live longer than men. And, but how do they do in terms of living long with health and vitality compared to men? Meaning that, you know, what is going on uh, when women are looking at their longevity as a totality, um, everything from making certain they have the resources they need. I mean, it's all fine and dandy to reinvent yourself, but are you really uh, commandeering uh, an ability to optimize the resources in your life to help you with that? Um, meaning everything from insurance to finances and uh, where you live, how you live, etc. So how do women fare with that? Okay, well, that's a lot to unpack, Pam. So why don't we unpack it? Uh, first of all, you're right. There's lifespan, there's health span. We want to match our health span to our lifespan because who wants to live a life where you're feeling sick or disabled? And the cost of that is enormous. So there's that. Uh, but as you said, and I said too, uh, women outlive men, but Men may die quicker, but women get sicker. So let me repeat that. Men die quicker, but women get sicker. In fact, women spend on average in our country the last 12 and a half years of life either disabled or sick or dealing with chronic conditions. And that's no fun. And it's relatively expensive. So what I believe, and you hinted at it already, is that it's not just about exercise, which is critically important, or what you put in your mouth or your sleep, all of which are very important, but there's other factors involved, including finances. And there's this holistic recipe that I think we all, as women, need to think about so that we're not just living long, but we're living well. Because if you ask older women, younger women, women of all ages, do you want to live to 100? Their first answer is, yes, I'd love to. And then if you follow that up with the question, no matter what, most hands go down. Yep. Yep. There's no question about it. What is the point of living long if you can't live well? Um, you know, it's just living to a hundred means what, um, you know, if you're Georgia O'Keefe and you live with meaning and purpose and, you know, you've got the financial resources to be able to keep painting and doing sculpture and all the rest of it, um, fine. And she also had, um, you know, help. Uh, but, you know, I, I think a lot of people sort of just flip it flippantly say, oh, sure, I'd love to be 100. Are you thinking about it? And how are you prepping for all of this? How are you doing that? And let's throw in another interesting thought, which occurs. Um, uh, 
for really both men and women, but especially women, you know, I'm saying it's especially women, tell me if I'm wrong, and that is ageism. Tell us about that. Oh my God, yes. Well, first of all, you're 100% correct. I mean, women and men both experience ageism, and I think it's the last ism that we're focused on. I mean, I'm not saying it's as important is as important as racism, but I mean, it's really something that impacts our lives. In fact, some of the research that's been done points to the fact that if you have a positive feeling about your own aging and aging in general, it can add seven to 10 years to your lifespan. So that's a pretty big deal. Uh, as far as who gets the worst deal in terms of ageism, it's definitely women. And part of the reason is, is that part culturally, if you were to look at women's roles over time and going back in history, what you would know is women were appreciated for their beauty and their fertility. And frankly, if that goes away, their value is considered less. And so that's one part of it. And that's really unfortunate, but it goes a little bit deeper than that because it's in popular culture, we don't like people who are older. I mean, look at the media. How many older people do you see in the media? Not very many at all. And then just the language we use. Like I had somebody say to me recently, oh, you look so great for your age. And they meant it as a compliment, but I took it as a very negative thing. It's like, well, don't I just look great? <laughs> Can't you just say that? So, I mean, it's all throughout our culture. And in the workplace, there is a real bias against older adults. And frankly, as you pointed out earlier, purpose becomes a huge deal as you get older. And if you're telling older people, no, you're over the hill, you're no longer valuable, that does not, first of all, it doesn't make them feel good, but it doesn't give them the opportunity to have a sense of purpose and also potentially to have earnings into their 50s, 60s, and 70s, which in this longer lifespan becomes incredibly important. You know, it's interesting. I was uh, just listening uh, to some statistics um, uh, on the on our current situation with regard to people who want to, as it were, retire, and that um, a huge number of them, uh, I think it was almost 40%, are going to um, hold off on retirement because of, you know, inflationary issues um, and uh, their, their uh, financial insecurity within all of these times in you know, really, quite frankly, what's happening uh, at multiple levels, not just um, what had happened, you know, with the current macroeconomic environment, um, but everything seems to be getting pushed out further in terms of, and I quote, retirement, whatever the heck that means these days. Um, and and so people are working longer. Um, I'm not sure they're, you know, it, it's an interesting world. Talk to me about what, as it were, this term retirement means to you, Maddie. Yeah. Well, we've done a lot of work in this particular zone in the retirement. How is retirement changing, evolving? And we did some research studies in partnership with Edward Jones during COVID. And 
you're 100% right. More people are changing the timing of their retirement. But let's back up. Let's just look at the definition of retirement. So if you were to open Webster's Dictionary to the word retirement, you would find this, and I am not making this up, to withdraw, to disappear, to go away. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm 72 years old, and I have no intention of wanting to do any of those things. I want to be a relevant, purposeful person, part of society. Now, I'm not alone, because in the past, what we saw was that when people retired at, let's say, 65, they didn't have that many good years in front of them. So, in fact, according to the studies that we've been doing, they told us they thought of retirement as a kind of winding down, a time to rest, relax, maybe play a little golf, get together with the family. Uh, that was exclusively what retirement was about. But today, when you ask retirees what they think of as retirement, they have a completely different definition. They think of it as a whole new chapter in life. Yes, they want to wind down a little bit, but they also want to potentially work. And it may not be full-time work. It may be cycling in and out of the workplace, maybe working part-time or doing job sharing, or as we see so many people working remotely today, working from home. So this whole definition of retirement it used to be work or retirement. Now it's work in retirement. So there's been a lot of shift that's gone on. Well, I think that um, also, you know, kind of uh, building on that, uh, it's, it's, you know, what kind of work are you doing? So, for instance, um, if you've spent 25 years or 30 years doing something, um, maybe a couple things, whatever, um, a lot of that was um, to really build financial security, uh, to be able to build that house and and the and the home and the uh, you know support the family and all the rest of it. Later in life, um, fully understanding, by the way, that so many people who are, as it were, grandparents and this and that um, may still be having to. Uh, you know, fund their children um, and helping with the grandchildren as well. So that's another layer of, of complexity to this whole thing. But the people I see um, moving, the women I see moving into uh, the years uh, past 60, 65, um, many times actually are choosing where, what they want to do. They, they feel like they have more control over it. I'll give you 20 hours a week, but not 30 or 40. Um, and maybe mix it up. Maybe do a couple things. Why? Because they like hanging out with other people. They want to be stimulated. Um, maybe what they've decided to do is is a lot of fun. I've done a lot of, uh, I've led a lot of retreats for women. And I remember one, uh, one of my most favorite places, and that's uh, the Red Mountain Spa in St. George, Utah. And uh, I remember when I came up early to kind of, you know, scope out who the guides were going to be for the, uh, uh, the hikes. And, you know, we had them at multiple levels. Um, I said, I'll, I'll do the advanced hike guy. Um, it turns out it was a gentleman. 
And so we met early in the morning, and here's this guy with, you know, he's got the gray hair, he's rocking it, and I'm looking at him going, oh, no, you know, he's going to be eating my dust, and this is really ugly, and, you know, again, appearances, and, and he was spry, he looked really great otherwise, but, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm a little bad person, because I was a bit of an ageist for a moment, a macro moment, and um, so, needless to say, we started out on the uh, hike, and he and damn near killed me, I was, like, trying to speed dial 911 in the, in the middle of red rock um in in snow canyon going help please this guy's gonna kill me and and we sat on a rock eating a cliff bar at some point when he had mercy upon me and allowed me to actually rest for a moment and i said geez you know you're amazing and he said i, I said what's your background i mean like what's up with that he said oh i've always wanted to you know, uh, get out into the outdoors and back and forth. I said, well, what were you? He said, he was a vice president of G GE. <laughs> and, and I said, what? <laughs> um, and he said, oh, yeah. And I, and I had the big paunch. I was in horrible shape. And, you know, I, I just dreamed of the day. Now, you know, here's a little sidebar life lesson, everybody. Don't wait until you, you know, until you're, you're 60 or something or 55 to get yourself in shape. If you know anything about my brand, it's about, you know, you take care of yourself every day of your life. I don't care how old you are, whether you're 12 or you're 22 or you're 62, it's all the same. However, it was funny listening to him and he said it took him about a good solid year and a half to kind of just peel off the extra weight, like almost 50 pounds of weight, build up his muscles and get on out there and rock and roll. So he, for all intents and purposes, called this his reinvention. And he reinvented himself. And to your point, this was his next chapter. And, and he was absolutely jubilant. And then he had this little twinkle in his eye. He says, oh, I just love it when, you know, young people come up to me and they see me and they go, oh, you know, uh, he'll never be able to make it and I'll be way ahead of him. And then I have them eating my dust. And so I just, <laughs> and, and so I, I think that, People have dreams. They have, um, I'm on the board of the Senior Olympics and I'm a competing triathlete. And what's really interesting about that is you can't be in the in the Senior Olympics unless you're 50 or over. And a lot of people just put everything on the back burner until they were 50. And, you know, when their kids hopefully were kind of off and gone and doing their thing and, and back and forth and then reinvented themselves. They said, now I'm going to really hit it with sports. I'm going to, you know, uh, get a brand new tribe out there and um, and create a new narrative for myself. Um, and I've seen this time and time and time again, and I think it's really exciting. Um, and it's very, it gives people hope. But you know, one last little, you know, uh, note here, and it's my constant rant and rave. That's all special. However, you need, you need a mind and a body that's in good shape enough to be able to do all of that. You can't trash your mind and body. That's just no, 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 no. And that means sleep and, and staying up with your self-care, physical activity, nutrition. All of that's got to be a continuum. Then you build upon that strong foundation to be able to do what you want to do. So does that make sense to you, Maddie? Yeah, you're right. It makes 100% sense. I would add one more layer to that. Not only 
first of all, keep in mind that it's never too late. I mean, from studies that we've done, yes, you are 100% right. The earlier you start, the better off you are. However, we, as you've seen from the Senior Olympics, there are lots of examples of people who sort of come to Jesus, if you will, uh, when they're in their 50s or 60s or 70s in terms of getting fit, getting healthy, eating well. So that's something to keep in mind. In fact, from our studies, we've seen that older adults, they know that they know the right things to do, and they're often motivated by retirement to start doing them. However, there is this intention-action gap. So they may know the right things to do, but taking those first steps, especially as you get older, it's not always easy. So you may need some help. And there is one more layer. And that other layer has to do with finances. So you may have every intention of reinventing yourself, and you may have the hopes and the dreams and the desires, but you look at your life trajectory and you say, oh my God, I might be alive for another 30, 40 years. How am I going to pay for that? And so money becomes a motivator too. And it also can be a limiting factor. So if you didn't do such a great job saving for retirement, chances are, or you didn't expect to live so long, chances are that you're going to have to think about, yes, I'd love to do something different, and how can I get paid to do something different? Absolutely. So it's a, it's a complicated recipe. Well, you know, there's almost no playbook for it to a certain degree. Um, and yeah. women are not... We're inventing exactly, it. Exactly. But women aren't getting this, you know, a lot of this message. You know, in many households, it's the guys who are handling the finances and, and the women, you know, kind of come along for the ride. Um, a colleague of mine, uh, her father died fairly quickly from uh, leukemia and uh, it was all, you know, quite sudden. <clears throat> and, and his wife, my colleague's mother, you know, was just, she was never included in any of the finances and was literally left, you know, uh, sitting there saying, what in God's name do I do? And, um, you know, how do you, do you see that a lot? And, and what do you say about that? Mm. Well, it's interesting. I do see it a lot. It has changed a little bit over time as women have become more educated and more time in the workplace. But I also have seen even women in the financial services industry, they're so busy with their life that they don't have time to pay attention to their own finances, which can be a huge mistake. I mean, we need to pay attention. There's a lot of headwinds that women face as retirees. For one thing, as you just pointed out earlier, we all live longer than them. So that's great, but we need the finances to pay for that. And women only have two-thirds of the retirement savings that men have. One more point to this, women tend to retire earlier than men, and they take out time from the workforce to care for their children or grandchildren, uh, care for a parent or a sibling, uh, even care for their husbands. And sometimes in the process of doing that, they spend down their own nest egg. So it's a complicated set of dynamics that women face. And unless they're proactive and take some charge, take charge and 
some way, shape, or form, get involved, uh, find someone to help them understand the basics. You know, bulls and bears, that's like not a language that comes naturally to any of us. We need someone to help us. And uh, whether it's a friend or a family member or a financial advisor, we need some help in getting educated financially. Okay. What what do you mean by the term ageless aging? Yeah, that's a good question. So let me begin by saying that I think that chronology is just one way of measuring age. Uh, we know that there's physical aging or biologic aging. Uh, there's psychological aging, which is the upside of aging. You know, things that you accumulate that are positive, like wisdom, resilience, perspective. And then there's the chronologic kind of aging. Now, chronologic aging is simply how many birthdays you've had. And that doesn't necessarily reflect your psychological, physical aging at all. I mean, just as an example, I recently took one of these physical aging tests called biologic aging, and I'm 72 years old. And biologically, I was 50. <laughs> so there's a real disconnect. I relate more to the what a 50-year-old thinks about, does, is con concerned about, uh, deems important than maybe what we traditionally have held in our heads about what 72 looks like and feels like. So I don't want to be limited by yours or anyone else's vision of what a 72-year-old should look like, feel like, or be doing with their time. Uh, so that's why I call it ageless. And what does it have to do with your the way you look and feel? Well, if you're not feeling healthy and energetic and resilient as you get older, then you're more vulnerable to disease and to bad things, you know, coming at you. Let's be honest. As you get older, as you hit your 50s, 60s, 70s, and beyond, it's a little bit like playing dodgeball. You're dodging all the negative things that can come at you. And frankly, I think one of the ways to do that is to have a positive perspective and take control. Recognize that there's no one that can take control of your future besides you. And I'm, you know, I'm a big believer in that. I don't think we should be defined by our chronologic age. That's ageless aging. So, you know, what, what do you consider personally for yourself to be your challenges as you're looking at aging per se? Uh, that's a great question. I have gone through challenges. Uh, I'm a exerciser like you. I take fitness very seriously. And a few years ago, I uh, was having terrible, terrible pain in my hips. And I was literally limping around for a couple of years. And, you know, I would take Advil to try to fight the pain. Uh, I got PRP shots. I mean, I got cortisone shots. I tried everything. Finally, a friend of mine who's a doctor said, hey, you just need to get an MRI. So I did. And what I learned from getting an MRI is that I had hip dysplasia in both of my hips. Now, what is that? It's something that people are born with. But back when I was born, they didn't diagnose it. Today, they do and they do something to correct 
entrance for their hip dysplasia, but I was literally bone on bone in both of my hips and I had no choice but to get hip surgery. So I did a lot of research and what I learned was that I needed to do both of them at one time. Uh, I went to the doctor and I said, well, I'm going on a vacation first. What, what should I do until I can get this surgery? And you know what he told me? He said, get a cane. Now, oh, I was not God. about to get a cane. <laughs> I couldn't believe oh, he said God. that. Oh, God. Yeah, so I did the research myself, and I found that there were a lot of good answers. Uh, one was to change my diet, and I was a healthy eater. I mean, I hadn't eaten meat in more than 30 years. Uh, I ate mostly a plant-based diet, but I changed to an anti-inflammatory diet. So it's not that hard. I mean, I just cut out dairy, cut out gluten, and uh, cut out sugar, most sugar. I still drank wine. <laughs> I figured you have to do one thing that's kind of naughty, right? Anyway, uh, I did that for a few weeks. And within six weeks, I'm not making this up, all the pain in my hips went away, all of it, because it was inflammation. Now, I still got the surgery, but I learned so much about myself then, and that is that I was willing to take control. I was willing to make changes, and I do it all the time now. I mean, I have a lot of stress in my life. I've had some things happen to me this last year that were pretty scary with my family. My um, son's girlfriend at the time, now his wife, uh, almost died when she was living in Mexico during COVID, and we had to literally get her airlifted on a medical emergency visa to the United States, to our area, to California. And she's fine now, but I mean, going through that, the stress that it created in my life. And so I took up meditation and I learned how to cope with that. I exercised twice as much, you know, so we all learn to manage the challenges that come our way. Again, it's dodgeball. And if you can figure out how to dodge the balls with knowledge and information, uh, you, you might, you're going to live better in your older aging experience. Yeah. And, and um, I reiterate once again, that your ability to survive and thrive, the predictable challenges of the aging process, especially after the age of 50 and 60, um, are really predicated upon what you bring to the table already. What's your foundation? Mentally, physically, spiritually, what's your foundation? And, uh, you know, I love the fact that you mentioned meditation because everyone out in the Herb podcast land knows that I'm a nutcase about meditation. Um, I learned Transcendental Meditation by um, Bob Roth with the David Lynch Foundation many years ago. Mm. Yep. And he's, you know, taught everyone Stephanopoulos and, you know, on and on. He's an amazing guy. And we do a... Um, 
you know, a daily thing. And it, it's just, you know, and I fought it tooth and nail because I'm a type A, 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 A person in case you haven't figured that part out. And to get me yeah, to, I, I get it. you know what I mean? And to get me to settle down for oh, yeah. 20 minutes, I mean, like, forget that noise. Um, and only to find out that this was the kind of, you know, uh, meditation that really kind of worked for me. And plus there's really great science behind it, et cetera. And it's now being used, you know, um, all over the world for PTSD, for our military and children in inner in inner city uh, schools. And so, you know, I'm all about that kind of stuff. And, it, and plus it works. Glad that you went for an anti-inflammatory diet. People do not realize that the basis of disease is inflammation. And this is whether it's cancer, heart disease, diabetes, you know, whatever, it, it's inflammation. So you tamp that down like in a big way. Um, I do remember uh, uh, talking to uh, Ken, your your better half, um, <laughs> uh, and when you were having uh, the hip issue um, and he was, uh, you know, he was really 24 seven uh, helping you out, uh, you know, in, in the house um, as you were rehabilitating uh, in a big way. Um, and uh, that's just, you know, whether it's your hips, your knees, um, your osteoarthritis in your hands, whatever the issue may be, uh, something's gonna happen. But I'm telling you right now, part of prepping for the aging process is making certain, hands down, that you have this powerful foundation already. And that includes, um, when I wrote my book, Fit to Live, I included all of these elements in it. So it was obviously the, the physical activity, the nutrition, um, but the financial piece of this um, was extremely important. As I, my favorite way of putting it is, if you don't have the money to buy a pair of sneakers, that walk is not happening. And so, you know, it's sort right. of a metaphor. That, you're right. Well, it's a metaphor, you know? I mean, you gotta plan for these things. And the older you get, the more health-centric you actually become. You have to, for um, all the predictable reasons. Because after the age of 50, 60, I mean, stuff happens. And again, a strong foundation helps you, like in a big way. So um, now you've got this new book that you're working on. When is that coming out? And tell I us, am. tell us all about well, it. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm working on it right now, uh, and it's called Ageless Aging, and it's for women. It's Women's Longevity Bonus and the Art and Science of Living Better, lo Living Longer Better. I keep saying living better longer, but both of them work. <laughs> and uh, Mayo Clinic Press is actually going to be publishing it. And I've been calling on a few of their experts who are at the cutting edge of what's going on in longevity today, which has been really, really super cool. Like yesterday, I spoke to Dr. James Kirkland, who is heading up all of the research that's being done on synolytics, which, you know, as you kind of alluded to before, senescence and uh, synolytic, both nutrients, supplements, pharmaceuticals, all of that will be part of our future. Now, they're not there yet, but they will be. But 
there's very few books that are exclusively focused on women and longevity. And I want to correct this because we women, we're going to be leading this longevity revolution. And as I pointed out before, our health spans just don't match our lifespans. And we've got to change that. So I think there's this holistic recipe. And you know what they are, Pam. I mean, there are things, sleep and exercise and nutrition. Those are the things we think about. But there's also community, very important piece. Purpose, which you talked about a little bit earlier. I mean, there are a lot of spirituality. These are all pieces that really matter. There's two other things that I think are really important, and that is, number one, hormones. I mean, as women, I talk about it as hormones can be our frenemies. Some of them are our friends. Some of them are our enemies. And we've got to have the knowledge and the information that can help us manage that. Um, How do we access the good hormones through what we put in our body and our exercise and our sleep? And how do we like get rid of the bad ones? Uh, And then again, there's one more thing and you would love this one. And that is that each and every one of us, we are the CEO of our own healthcare. And unless we put ourselves, yeah, you know, and it's so hard to navigate that healthcare system today. And I want to help women better understand how to do that. So that's kind of a broad look at what I'm doing. Oh, I think it's wonderful. When is the book going to be published? When's it coming out? Oh, that is well. We're aiming towards Mother's Day of 2024, okay. so it's still a ways away. Well, no, it I'm takes a while. It takes a while to <laughs> to do this, all the interviews and all the rest of it. But really, at the, and I want to yeah. interview you. Yeah, I know. We're all, we're already going to be on schedule. Um, I'll give you an earful. Um, but <laughs> but you know, no, I, why am I not surprised? I know. Seriously. Well, I sit on the board of the American <laughs> College of Sports Medicine, and we're the ones who write the guidelines for physical activity. Um, our work is also in over a hundred countries. We have a very global network, as we all talk to one another cross culturally about, you know, just doing at the very least, um, you know, uh, basics to be able to build and maintain that foundation. Um, A report just came out this morning um, from WHO, and it said that that at least $27 billion is is, uh, lost, as it were, in, in countries that don't uh, push physical activity and higher levels of fitness um, for their um, communities and their demographic. Um, this is a very serious thing. It, it's got economic implications, let alone um, everything from, you know, who's recruited for military and, you know, who's going to be taking care of you um, uh, and everything from law enforcement and uh, every other aspect um, of education, say, for instance. So, you know, all of this is going to be tied into uh, what I think is going to be your ageless aging, which I think is uh, absolutely fabulous. One golden nugget from you before we close up. Just go ahead and throw it out there to all the women who are listening and want to just hear one little nugget of maybe a small step they can take right now. Okay, I know this may sound crazy, but three words. Just do something. 
So, for instance, as you just said earlier, walking 30 minutes every single day, get started on that and you're going to feel very different. That's going to motivate you to want to make other changes in your life. Uh, Stop eating dairy. I mean, dairy is not such a great thing for our bodies, or at least it's eat less of it. That would make you feel differently. You would feel the difference in a short while. And if you were exercising a little more and eating a little healthier, you'd probably sleep better at night and then you'd feel better during the day. And so those are just three examples. I guess the point is besides just doing something, all of these things are interconnected. They all impact each other, uh, which I find to be fascinating. So for instance, uh, if you don't have your health together, that's going to affect your finances because your the cost of out-of-pocket health care as you get older can be enormous. I, I don't even want to give you the numbers. It's too scary, uh, but it's huge. Uh, if you're not socially engaged, that actually impacts the way you feel about your aging. So these things are all interconnected. And again, it's a holistic recipe. And if you just get started in one place, it's going to motivate you to move into other areas. And you can really change your life and take control. Excellent. Maddie, I can't thank you enough. Everyone out there, we've been speaking with Maddie Dykewald, and she is one of the principals with the big movement, Age Wave. Age Wave. Run on over to MaddieDykewald.com to learn more about her wonderful work. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Maddie. Oh, and thank you, Pam. It's been a delight. Absolutely. All right. Now, everyone out there, run on over to iTunes, rate and review the show because I want to hear from you. And I want to thank our sponsor, Solarate Vitamins. Once again, run on over to solarate.com to learn more, especially for the women's multivitamin. I'm Dr. Pam Peek, host of the Herb Podcast. Follow me on Facebook at Dr. Pam Peek or Twitter and Instagram at Pam Peek MD. And remember to catch every single episode of the Herb Podcast on iTunes, Radio MD, and all of the larger platforms. I'm everywhere. Thanks for listening today. Stay safe and stay well.